Al Jazeera podcast. X-ray machines for broken bones, lights for operating rooms, incubators for newborn babies. These are just some of the things no longer functioning in Gaza's hospitals. Thousands of airstrikes, and Gaza is now cut off from all essential services, including electricity, water, and food. Medical staff are doing their best to cope with an overwhelming number of casualties. As we record on Sunday, at least 2,450 Palestinians have been killed since Israel began its air offensive. Hundreds more are wounded every day and now must be treated with limited or no electricity, as well as dwindling fuel and water. Even finding space at a hospital has become almost impossible. People are sleeping in hospitals for some measure of safety. Dead bodies are lined up because the morgues are full. Doctors in Gaza are used to working under dire conditions. A 16-year blockade has throttled their access to medicine and supplies. But they say this time is worse than anything they faced before. Today, we hear from them. I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. The World Health Organization has strongly condemned Israel's repeated orders for the evacuation of 22 hospitals in northern Gaza. That was along with an even bigger order to leave, a deadline of just 24 hours for everyone in northern Gaza. Israel ordered the evacuation within 24 hours of all Palestinians living in the northern Gaza Strip, some 1.1 million people within 24 hours. The United Nations has condemned the order, saying it's, quote, impossible for such a movement to take place without devastating humanitarian consequences, unquote. Mani Nikolai is the general director of Doctors Without Borders. She told the take that Israel's order to evacuate 1.1 million people from northern Gaza, including those in hospitals, is impossible. Uh, We have condemned this call because it is uh, an act against medical care and humanity. It would imply that we have to abandon patients. Since that call, we have not been able to coordinate our work in the hospitals that we have done before. Some of our doctors that work for MSF are continuing to work in several hospitals trying to help where they can. For instance, we have one surgeon that works clock round in Al-Shifa Hospital and doing a lot of surgery under extremely difficult circumstances. He's giving us report that supplies are going down, OTs are overloaded, a lot of people seek shelter in the hospital on top, and food, water, electricity, everything is going down. We have been working during different moments of conflict in Gaza. This time is different because the sustained attacks now for more than a week almost Um, And the call to evacuate uh, more than one million people has never been seen before. And we are not sure what is yet to come. From our staff that try to continue to work, we hear every time we call them profound 
tragic new reports from family being killed, uh, really horrific stories. Dr. Ghassan Abu Sitta is witnessing those horrific stories firsthand. He's a British-Palestinian surgeon at Al-Shifa Hospital, the largest central hospital in Gaza. It's located in Gaza City, in the zone under the Israeli order to leave. There is an impending public health catastrophe at Shifa Hospital. There are thousands, if not tens of thousands of people who have flocked to the hospital. They're sleeping in the grounds. They're sleeping on the corridors between the patient beds in the wards. People are absolutely terrified. There is going to be an infectious diseases public health catastrophe in the hospital. The bodies are stacked up. People are too afraid to bury their dead. A lot of the nursing and uh, surgical and medical staff have either lost family or are too busy looking after their loved ones to be able to come into the hospital. Dr. Ghassan has volunteered in Gaza and other conflict zones in the Middle East since the 1980s. He told us this is one of the worst public health catastrophes he's ever seen. Conditions are only going to get more difficult. Al-Shifa Hospital, like other medical facilities, is fast running out of antibiotics, surgical equipment and other essential medical supplies. We are no longer able to do anything but the most life-saving surgeries. Not only are the supplies been exhausted, but the staff have also been exhausted. A lot of them have either been killed or they have had family members killed or they're trying to secure their families. Patients who are wounded often have had family members killed as well, as Dr. Hassan has seen. This morning, we had two children from different places who were both severely injured and who both carried the term wounded child, no surviving family. And it's one of the most heartbreaking things you can ever see. You have difficulty understanding how, while the emergency department is full of screaming relatives and patients and doctors and nurses rushing around. Then you come to this quiet place where there's a trolley and a wounded child and no one around them except the medical staff. This is a war against children. Even the survivors, they will spend the rest of their lives on their own. Israel has already dropped more than 6,000 bombs on Gaza since last Saturday. That scale of carnage would put any health system in the world under stress. And along with the immediate dangers from the bombing are the life-threatening effects of Israel's siege on Gaza. Thousands of people in Gaza could now die, medics have been warning, if hospitals packed with injured people run out of fuel and basic supplies. Well, now, now the hospitals are full. We lost all the capacity of the hospitals to handle more patients now, more injured. That's Dr. Matata Abbas. He's the director general of the health ministry in Gaza. He spoke to Al Jazeera English on Wednesday. We, the, we will run out of fuel very soon because we are relying now on standby generators. These generators are consuming a lot of fuel. The borders are sealed. 
there is no no fuel can get inside, no food, no potable water. So the situation is miserable. It's a humanitarian situation, unprecedented historically. It's a war crime committed in front of the international community. And Dr. Methad says it's extremely difficult for medical staff and human rights workers to help people who've been bombed, including many who are still buried under the rubble of building blocks. Two million people are now living under this tight siege and heavy bombardment along the hour. Uh, full blocks were totally annihilated while people are inside. People are still under the rubble. Uh, uh, we, we have no enough uh, t- tools in the uh, civil defense to, to bring those people outside the victims. The other thing is that uh, the, there is no safe route, even for the health professionals, such as hospitals, nobody safe in fact. And when you ask people, they ask people to evacuate sometimes and sometimes not. The people try to evacuate, they have no safe place to go. Health authorities and medical organizations in Gaza also say Israel is targeting ambulances, health facilities, and medical staff, which would constitute a war crime. At least 28 health workers have been killed as of Sunday. 11 UN aid workers have been killed, and I understand four uh, Red Crescent paramedics have also been killed by Israeli airstrikes. Here's Marwan Jilani, the director general of the Palestine Red Crescent Society. There are so many violations against those paramedics. In every mission, they try to go and help those people, the sick and the wounded. And these are deliberate. And we have communicated this to all international organizations. This is a very, very tragic situation. Our people are stressed out. They are exhausted. And we have never seen such atrocities We've never seen such a deliberate targeting in this manner of medical missions who are fulfilling a humanitarian assistance to the people who need it. After the break, beyond the immediate crisis, the long-term care being interrupted and the long-term effects. On the Inside Story podcast, we're discussing the military risks behind Israel's plan for a ground offensive in Gaza. Will it achieve its aims in the Strip? Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. One of the medical facilities overwhelmed by patients in Gaza is Al-Wafa Hospital, a small rehabilitation center with a capacity of only 60 patients. Dr. Hassan Khalaf is the hospital's medical director. Long-term deprivation of essentials of life. We have 1,100 patients for dialysis, and they, they depend on the dialysis machine for maintaining their life. You know, they need to wash their you know, blood three times a week. And they're, they're delicate they're people. You know, they cannot survive. And they are suffering a lot. What will happen in case they are deprived from, you know, going to hospital and having their blood washed in the machine? This means definitely they will be killed soon in a few hours, in a few days. Dr. Bilal Al-Tabur is also dealing with patients who face chronic conditions. He's a neurologist 
and the clinic where he works part-time is closed, he told us. But he still gets phone calls from former patients. I received a call from one patient who have, uh, who has a form of severe peripheral neuropathy due to diabetes. And uh, she's dependent on um, controlled medications for pain control. Um, so so um, the government lifted all restrictions on controlled medications, but she was going um, pharmacy by pharmacy under the risk of herself being subject to the bombing or any airstrikes nearby. And the pharmacies are either bombed, closed, or run out of medication. Um, other patients who, are, who have, for example, epilepsy, uh, supposing that they are going or willing to buy this medication, they cannot. They cannot reach the pharmacies. If they reach the pharmacy, uh, they might have run out because, again, the distribution systems have been all interrupted. And uh, epilepsy is a very delicate disease because any interruption of medication, any sudden change of dose will result in rebound seizures, and sometimes this might be fatal. If one of Dr. Bilal's neurology patients had a stroke, he asked how they would get to a hospital in the first place. And if they arrive to the hospital and they need to do um, a brain image, CT scan or MRI or any of these, these are all occupied with the trauma patients. Um, and uh, this can be extended to any form of uh, medical emergency that is regardless of the war. If someone is going to have a stroke, they're going to have a stroke. The brain would not recognize that this is not an appropriate time to have a stroke. So this, um, uh, it, 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 this, this whole situation has many forgotten uh, aspects that, uh, that all eventually will result in escalating and increasing the, the, the many aspects of this humanitarian crisis. As for how people with chronic conditions or injuries will follow the Israeli order to leave northern Gaza, that's what's worrying every medical professional working in Gaza, and humanitarian organizations too. We are extremely worried indeed. That's Tamara Arifai, a spokesperson for the UN-Palestinian refugee agency UNRWA in Amman in neighboring Jordan. UNRWA estimates that about a million people have been displaced in just the first seven days of violence in Gaza. But Tamara says many can't follow the Israeli military order. It is unrealistic to expect uh, such large amounts of people who are in one part of Gaza with all the difficulty of movement across the Strip right now. It is unrealistic to expect them to be able to truly relocate Uh, with such short notice uh, for their safety. And the conditions in southern Gaza, where people are expected to move to, are not much safer. All places in Gaza Strip were hit hard, and houses were destroyed on top of families sleeping safely inside their homes, unfortunately. Mahmoud Shalabi is the program manager in Gaza for the charity Medical Aid for Palestinians. I'm talking about everywhere in Gaza. Again, we are debunking the myth of this uh, safe place in the southern uh, of Gaza. He's among the many Palestinians who believe Israel is attempting to ethnically cleanse them from Gaza. He told us that many residents refuse to leave their homes 
there are people who started fleeing their homes, it's true, but there are also people who are refusing to do so and refusing to um, be part of a second Nakba. And I am one of those. I am not leaving my home. I am not going to be a refugee again. I am already a Palestinian refugee. This is not going to be repeated for me or anyone from my family. I understand the safety concerns. I understand how it's going to affect many people, but I will not leave. I will die standing. My existence in itself on this land is resistance. And that's The Take. This episode was produced by Khalid Sultan, Miranda Lynn, Sariyat Khalili, and Sonia Bagat, with Amy Walters, Ashish Malhotra, Berenice Campana, David Enders, Zaina Badr, Chloe K. Lee, and me, Malika Bilal. Alex Roldan is our sound designer. Alexandra Locke is The Take's executive producer, and Ney Alvarez is Al Jazeera's head of audio. We'll be back. <laughs>